Okay. So now, the, the official topic is called defining self in preparation for Yom Kippur. That's what we that's what we're discussing. So let's begin with a little bit of a a definition of self that Rabbi Salanta says. He says an interesting thing. He says that people have got different ideas about what happens when they die. There's probably a widespread idea that when a person dies, there's a total transformation <coughs> of of um, of his being, and that previously he was a physical being, and then when he dies, he becomes a spiritual being. Rabbi challenges that idea, and he says that the truth is, <coughs> the truth is that when a person is alive, and then when a person dies, absolutely nothing changes in terms of the person's being. The same person that's alive the day before, when he dies, he remains identical to when he was alive. Uh, the only thing that changes is previously he was, he's being occupied a body, and after he dies, so his being no longer occupies a body. It's free to to leave the body and to exist in, in what's called the Olam HaNashamist of Nashamist. Uh, that's quite a <coughs> it's quite a sobering thought uh, I think we have some type of vague sense of well when we die then then we'll appreciate oh look the truth is I, I don't know if people think about dying a lot uh, generally I think British people do <laughs> but Americans don't Brits are always talking about death uh, it could be the weather That was a was joke. You appreciate it. You have to be non-British to appreciate that. Taking when like even my, when I'm, my wife's British, and whenever my father-in-law speaks to Simchi, always that kind of makes a condition that, and if I'm alive, kind of horror, But if people, if you do think about death, so so the chances are, the way I've thought about death is you imagine some type of your soul leaves your body and your soul is spiritual so it will uh, it will just kind of chill out in the spiritual world and your body will <coughs> generally the the description of the sequence of events building up to what's called the Mason, the revival of the dead is there's death where there's a separation <coughs> in the body and the soul the body decays in the grave the soul goes up to what's called Olam and Shamas and then there's Yom Din Hagadol, where everyone's judged, where point that point the soul and the body are judged together, and those who merit it live forever, where the 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 newly uh, the body that decayed and was rebuilt with perfection has the capacity to to live forever in an eternal life, and that's called Chesamaisim. That's the that's the overview, the general. Now the the feeling or the sense is that well, when a person dies and you his soul leaves his body, so the soul will naturally <coughs> appreciate the spiritual world. And Yubshuel challenges that, and he says, no, what happens when the soul leaves the body? The soul that leaves the body is the essence of what the person was when he was alive. It's not that the essence of what the person was alive is some type of thing which just disappears into nothingness, and then the soul which is perfectly holy goes up to Shemaim, and the body decays. The person, the person 
shuffles off his mortal coil and goes up to Olam and Hashamis. And there's nothing different about the person other than that he no longer has a physical form. Now that's, that's, that can be a terrifying idea because it means that there's no um, there's no way out of having an access to spirituality in this world if one wants it in the next. In other words, the degree to which we the spiritual, the ruchnius, appeals to us in this world is the degree to which it will appeal to us in the next. And the degree to which it's a non-issue in this world is the degree to which it will be a non-issue in the world the next. The Oedam and the but the problem of it being a non-issue in the next world is <coughs> that, that that world is purely spiritual. So it's very uncomfortable. You know, it's akin to a person being in shul and not being able to connect to davening. <coughs> now that's fine if you only have to sit through a, a mincha, a ma'iv. Uh, a shachris becomes quite long. Now when you have to sit through a Rosh Hashanah davening, it becomes almost hellish. So if a person has to sit in an eternal world with no connection to it, it must be the ultimate frustration. So therefore, the first thing, defining self in preparation of Yom Kippur, is to define what that self is. The self is whatever you are. Whatever you are, whatever you are here, in other words, whatever your wants are, whatever you aspire to, whatever you seek for, so that will not change after you die. And that means if you desire and you seek for a lush golf course, so unfortunately there are no golf courses in Shemayim. If you want to buy the new BMW, Z4. Um, so there's no roads in Shemaim, let alone vehicles, let alone German vehicles. Uh, it's just, it's just they, they, they don't exist. So therefore, your your life will be on <coughs> ultimate <coughs> frustration. And your life is defined by what you want. In other words, if you want to go down, if you want to cut down to the quick of who you are, <coughs> so then you have to look at what you want. And the way you see what you want, sort of Volby says, the way you see what you want is by what you've done. Your life doesn't lie to what your aspirations are. And obviously the, the further on you go in life, the more accurate it becomes. But if you want to know what your, what your goals and what your aspirations were, look at where you've got to in life and your life will reflect exactly exactly what you want. So when you hear these people that they say, all I wanted was to take care of my family, but... <coughs> and there were people who <coughs> never saw their family because they were busy working. It's a lie. What they wanted more than seeing their family was they wanted to work more. There's a person that I know that is a, a very talented fundraiser. And whenever I meet him, he says to me, all I want to do is teach. And all he does is fundraise. He's lying. He doesn't think he's lying, but he's lying. All he wants to do is fundraise. Because if you want to teach, he'd be teaching. You always have options open. And what you land up doing <coughs> is your strongest want. What you want the most is what you do. And what you do is what you want the most. So if you want to know, if you want to know who you are, look at how you sort out your life. Your priorities describe who you are. What you set as a priority describes what you are. So if you choose 
football over shul, it means that football is more important than shul to you. If you choose. choose a cake over sharing, it means the cake is more important than friendship. If you choose hanging on to your money and not giving it to the dog, it means that your money is more important than helping others. When I say you, I'm really meaning me. <coughs> Following me? So, step number one, defining self. Self is what, is what you want. That doesn't change when you die. How do you know who that is? Well, just look at what you do, and that's and that describes. Look, look, look what you prefer. Look what you prioritize. Look what you give time for, and look what you take time away from. And the things which are the most solid in your life, those are your ultimate priorities. Someone once said to me, um, he, I've forgotten what the context was. I think maybe he said, you know, do I have time to? So I just, I don't, I don't have time. He says, there's no such thing as not having time. When you say for, that you don't have time for something, it means that on my list of priorities, that doesn't feature high enough. There's no such thing as not having time. You always have time for the things which are the most important. And if you don't have time for it, it means on your hierarchy of importance, everything else is more important. So, similarly, by looking at what you do value and what you do slot into your day, so that, that's your ultimate priorities. Now, the beginning part of chuva is creating, and it's a very difficult thing to do, assessing where you are. So therefore, this is crucial. You have to assess where you are. So the way you assess where you are is you look at what you are doing. And that gives you a sense of what's most important to you. Therefore, break up your day. See where you spend the most of your time. See where you put the majority of your strengths, where you invest most of your energies. And not always, but more often than not, that will be a clear indi indication of what's the most important thing in the world for you. Now, if when you make that evaluation, you suddenly realize that you never thought that that, that should be given that preference, that really that thing isn't the most important thing in the world to you, so then you've spotted inside of yourself, you've now got insight into where Chuva begins. Chuva begins when you suddenly see that, you know what, I actually see that my life is not a fulfillment of my own internal beliefs. That I believe this, but then I do that. So then, you think, gosh, I don't want that to happen. If I believe this, I want to do this. I don't want to believe this and do that. And then Chuva can begin. When you suddenly see this, this, this glaring contradiction, between what my aspirations are but what my life is doing so then I think to myself one second I have to reorientate something over here something's going off whack are you all following me? so step number one is who are we? we are who we are and we are defined by what we want and that doesn't change for eternity for eternity step number, one. Step number two what is that? so once step number three if I see that there's a deeper part of myself that longs to be expressed, and when I evaluate the reality of my life, I see that that part of me is not being expressed, so then I can start the process of chuva. Chuva means trying to come back 
to that priority that I have inside of myself. So for example, one of my biggest priorities is spending time with friends. But you know, I just never get time to do it. Having friendships is a, is a crucial part of life. Crucial part. It's, uh, it's this week's parasha. The way the... The way the... Ma'or V'shemesh learns the pasuk of Hakel. It says, Tikras of Torah Zois. Speaking about the king has to read this Torah. And then it says, Hakel Esa'am. Get together the nation, Anashin, Anashin, Vataf, men, women, and children. He says, Hasidically, um, that this is the Torah you should read in the ears of the Jewish people if you want them to connect to Hashem. That every Jewish person should create a connection with someone else. So I, I realize that connecting to people and being involved with the community, being involved socially is a crucial, that, that, that's what I want. That's what I want. And I look at my life and I just don't have time for it. So then I have to think about myself and think one second, so what fills up the time that I don't, that I don't have? Well, I have to play Angry Birds. <coughs> Angry Birds is a very important part of my life and uh, it has to be played and uh, it has to be won. Now, playing it is one thing. Winning it becomes a completely different pursuit. That's much harder. So it takes up a lot of time. So therefore I just don't have time to invest in those friendships. Or it could be a person says, you know what, I really, I really believe that it's important to connect to Hashem. And one of the most basic ways of doing that is through davening. So you say, well, do you daven in a minion? Say, no. Well, Hashem thinks it's quite important. Um, and then you quote yourself some Gemara's in Brochus, which say how when a person's tefillah is betzibu, so then his tefillahs are heard. And so you see that connection is important, it's crucial. So, <coughs> well, why, why aren't I davening in a minion? What else am I doing? Well, I'm sleeping. I mean that sleep is more important than connecting Hashem but I don't want that to be my priority so then you can start the process of change uh, are you all following me and, uh, yes so far so far so good good um, any questions so far no you can't ask any questions. Any questions? Oh, yes. The Rambam says, um, if somebody doesn't want to divorce his wife and he needs to, they they beat him until he yes. says, I want to. Yes. But we know the famous words that deep inside, we all, will, all want to do good. Yes. So, if I am what I do, yes. can, let's say I like sleeping. Yes. I know it's wrong. But yes, that's what I do because I like it. But deep yes. inside, if that's who I am, if you would beat me, I would not do it. That's I agree with you. In other words, yes and no. That's the you that will go to Olam Haba. That's not really the you. <coughs> but that's the you that you made. You make your own you. Uh, this is going to require a little bit of explanation. Sorry, okay. No, no, it's fine. You, time for explanation. Okay, I'll try. I'll try to speak in a steady monotone so that those of you who are tired can gently slip into a slumber. I'll I'll make my voice slightly more soothing. I'll lessen the volume and slow down the pace. And let's talk about ourselves and our beings. And let's discuss your 
So your question is as follows. That but surely but surely says Erlanger to Siegel, surely surely that's a very, very, very pessimistic view of man. We believe in the notion of a soul. A soul is truly good. Because even a murderer, a murderer, he goes and he murders and rapes and pillages and the next morning he wakes up. Is he chayv to say brachas? Does he yes, chayv to say brachas? Next day, brachas. What, what brachas is it? It says, sheyotza, and then he says, eloikai. Neshama sheinosat bitoiri. The soul you've given me is pure. You lying, filthy scum bucket. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Otherwise, he'd be exempt from saying that brachy. As you say, as a kind of shomashim, it's not to be tired. So you see, it's pure. So what Erlang is asking is, what do you mean? He says, that's, <coughs> that's, that's, that's the essence of the Jew. He says, the kind of shomashim is not to be. So how can Rabbi Shah say that the person that you are and that you, what you do defines who you are? No, no, no. What, what, what you, the true essence of who you are is your soul. And therefore, this would lend credibility to the idea that when you die, so the horrible part of you just goes down to the earth, and the good part of you goes up to Shemaim, and you just chill, and you live in splendor and glory, and Shalom Yisrael. So like, yes, you have the kasha, gentlemen. You have the problem. This is called a seeming contradiction. Now, the, when a person is presented with a contradiction, if a person doesn't feel moved by the contradiction, so there's something going wrong cognitively. If you go to a traffic light, and the traffic light is red and green at the same time, you should be disturbed. It's a disturbing situation. If you see a person who's simultaneously short and tall, they should bother you. Good. Getting somewhere. If you see someone that's simultaneously speaking in Hebrew and English, it should disturb you. Everish. Actually, it happens. You're right. Sorry, I take that one back. That shouldn't disturb you. That's normal. <laughs> my kids do it the whole time. Daddy, he wasn't maskimmed to me. Right. He didn't maskim. Why? Because... He was Mr. Lelling. Oh yeah, it works, it works. Um, it's, a, it's a contradiction. How do you resolve this contradiction? It's quite simple. There's two views of what potential looks like if we could put on our spiritual x-ray vision and look at a man and see what potential looks like. You can look at a person as a big clump of clay. Potential can be described as what you, that big clump of clay. The potential is what you, what form do you create from the clump of clay? In other words, a person is this amorphous mass. He's got all these raw potential abilities. And the way you mold him and fold him is what he becomes. One way of looking at man. There's another way of looking at man is that his essential self is defined when he's already born. And everything he is when he's born is only the only thing he can ever become. A person can't become anything else other than what he is. But, but, that potential, I mean as follows, person is born, internally he has inside of him a 
tzaddik. He has a tzaddik inside him, a little tzaddik that's been planted in him by his birth. And that tzaddik is completely perfect in every aspect. And that tzaddik is inside of him. And revealing potential means not creating something from nothing. Not that first option A. You're a person who's born with a lot of potential that you have to realize. But the potential doesn't have a particular form. Model A. Model B. You're born with a very precisely defined inner essence. But the inner essence that you're born with, which is precisely defined, is hidden underneath the surface. And the goal in life is to reveal. This is the difference between creation or revelation, or formation and revelation. The first model says your goal in life is to form yourself. The second model says that your goal in life is to reveal yourself. We go with the second option. That's called a soul. A soul is a spiritual excellence which is implanted inside of us, which has specific connotations and delineations and parameters. A person is limited by his soul. And there are certain souls which are predisposed towards doing chesed. That's where they excel. And they help people. And they have that inside. There are other souls which are predisposed towards MS, truth. And there are other souls which are gvura, strength. And each soul has its own particular nature. And the goal of life is to take the soul from the potential hidden part and bring it out into reality. And therefore, that's why when we focus on self-perfection, we never focus on negative traits. We always focus on bringing out the positive traits. Because all the negative traits are, are the, are the obstruction to the positive coming out. So let's say, for example, you were born with a soul which is predisposed towards doing kindness to others. You've got a soul of chesed. The negative part of your persona is that you're extremely lazy. Not you, Ben, I'm just using you. The, the negative part of yourself is that you're extremely lazy. So you want to do good, but the problem is you just can't be bothered. You'd love to share um, your lunch with your friend, but you just can't, don't want to put in the effort of sending it out and giving it to him. Or you'd love to do your lunch, but you, you're a baltiver and you, you enjoy eating. So you've got this conflict. So what happens is that the negative part of yourself obstructs the positive part of yourself from being expressed. So what is the negative? It's resistance. So now, if you work on removing the negative, you're left with zero. If you work on, work on the positive, so then what happens is as follows. You define your essential good traits. And then you say, I have to guard that good trait. And everyone's given a specific trait that they excel at, that people around them don't have that excellence in. In other words, and the way you find out what your good trait is, when you look at another person and you say, I actually can't believe he's doing that. How can he be so low? That's an indication of something which is a tremendous advantage that you have inside of yourself. Sometimes you look at people and you say, how could he be so selfish? That means you have a generosity. Be aware of it. Other times you can say to a person, see a person you say, how can he be so lazy? That means you have zeros inside of you. Use it. Other times you have a person, how could he lie? That means you have MS. But, I'm not asking you to judge your person, but you're measuring, you're measuring yourself against them. Sometimes you see people that sometimes, for example, you go to shul every single day, five minutes early, and you see someone that consistently comes seven to ten minutes late. And you look at the person there, how can they do that? So that, don't look at them, don't look down at them, look up at yourself. Look and say to yourself, 
I have inside of myself a connection to Tefillah that for me it would be it would feel horrible to come that late. Now he doesn't have that gift, so he doesn't feel that way. So ironically, by defining the gifts that you have, instead of looking down at people, you appreciate that they're different from you. Okay. Negative traits can't be changed, or if they can, should we not work on both? No, negative traits can be changed, but the way negative traits are changed is by focusing on not allowing, allowing your positive traits to be lost. So let's say you're identifying yourself a positive trait that you really appreciate davening. But sometimes your <coughs> social desire will interfere with that. You, you, you speak with friends and it's coming time for mincha. And then you have a conflict. Shall I continue the conversation or shall I go to mincha? So if you guard onto that maila, so then you'll overcome your temptation to prioritize social over tefillah. Do you understand? In other words, as a person goes forward, so therefore, the goal of life is to reveal the hidden spiritual potential side of you by identifying your strengths and using them and not allowing them to become lost when the obstruction of badness gets in the way. Good? Now, that means that's the kind of Shamashin of to be. That's a true person. But, the degree to which you're allowed it to come to fruition is the degree to which you get to keep it. Each person, every person has got purity inside themselves. But you, you, unless you, the, I'm trying to say too much in too little time, so forgive me. But let's say, for example, you've got this trait towards chesed, but you've got this opposition, which is you want to eat the food, but you want to share it. And you overcome your desire to eat the food by using your power to extend the food to your friend. So when you do that, the chesed is no longer just a hidden part of you, it becomes a real part of you. When it becomes, when it moves from the hidden to the real, that's when you own it. So the sum total of who you are is the degree to which you manage to remove your internal tzaddik to the externality. The part that was left inside doesn't belong to you. That was given to you as a gift and therefore it remains in the hands of Hashem that you can't access it. The part that you expressed, that can be accessed. And that's who that defines you are. I don't know if that answered. So that means when it says that means that when you when you hit him, you remove the barrier that allows the part to come out. But it wasn't coming out before then. It's there. If you get hit enough, it will come out. But if you never got hit, it would never have come out. You need to hit him. They don't say, well, we know he means it inside, so therefore you should just give the get. You have to hit him and hit him and hit him and hit him and hit him until so eventually he says yes, 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 and you know well it must be because he's being sincere because he deeply, deep down he wants to be sincere. But if you never hit him, so you don't say well, he's you just he has to say right What do you mean if he doesn't say right ani? It's still right ani, you know, it's the same right ani. What what does the hitting change? He's saying it insincerely. We say no, he's not insincere. He means it, but he only means it after he's hit. So you see that you have to do something to bring it out. It's not just out. Shouldn't yes. He doesn't want to get damaged anymore. But that's the chiddush that the Rambam says that an external reason can bring out an internal truth. It's not. We don't say that. You're right. You could think to say that. That's exactly what the Rambam's coming to through. Anyway, yes. Godly. Do we have uh, responsibility to help others bring out their good positive sides? 
Because, for example, with the cat, you're, you're hitting him to get That's out. That's Basin's responsibility. That's Basin's responsibility. That's because it's affecting someone else's life. So does that principle extrapolate to us? So, yes, if you can. That's what I'm trying to do to you. Again, I'm not using a stick. I mean, I, w- I think it would help a lot tonight. I realize, it's especially at this late hour, I mean, I need at least one stick. Maybe, uh, the truth is, a water gun would probably do just as well. Like really cold, ice cold water. Um, yes, of course you do. If you can. And the other person is in agreement with it. Should you be trying? If you, if you think you, you, there's only a tiny chance you can, so you, you probably won't, you, know, you might even do harm. But do you have responsibility? Like, it's, it's on your. It's on your Depends on the context. It's hard to answer in a general way. Depends on the person, the place, how you'll respond. <coughs> okay. <coughs> Sorry. So let's just retrace our steps. Defining self for Yom Kippur, we said yourself is what what you land up doing. Now we have a deeper understanding of what that means. It means the part of you that managed to go from whatever comes to the surface is what defines who you are. Even though there's a lot buried underneath, but if it doesn't come to the surface, you can't you you don't own it. Owning it means bringing it to the surface. So the amount of good or negativity that you bring to the surface is what becomes your eternal reality. As scary as it may sound. No, the, the is the truth is there is there are ways of tikkun, right? There are ways of tikkun, both in this world and the next world. The ways that Hashem manages to bring out the goodness, even after a person has lost some of it, as it were. It hasn't lost me. There it is. Okay. Um, now, the problem is that what happens when you... So you look at yourself, and you get very despondent. If I look at myself, I get very despondent. Uh, it could just be me. It probably is. But if I look at myself, I get despondent because I think, gosh, there's so much which is left, which is still not worked out. There's so much, there's so many parts of me which are not, which, which are tucker terrible, which aren't good. So what do I do with that? So now at this point in time, <coughs> most of us fall into despair when it comes to chiva. We say, well, okay, we're not going to be able to do it. So we give up. So I'd like to suggest an approach which I think could be very effective. There's something called um, it's it's one of the most famous terms of of Nachman of Breslev. He discusses what's called the Nukuda Tova. It's called a small a small a small spot, a small dot of goodness. He says the following thing, which is a massive chiddush. He says firstly, in terms of other people, if you see a person who's a Russia Gomor, he's completely wicked. Don't judge him unfavorably, rather there must be something that he once did which was good. Look for that good thing and focus on that good thing. I don't understand how it works, but he says by you focusing on that good thing, you actually change him as well. That seems very hard to understand. But then, which is easy to understand, he says, and you should use this tactic for yourself as well. Look at yourself and start to find the Nakudas Tovas inside yourself. Start to find those good points. Because what happens is as follows. We look at ourselves, we see how much bad there is, we despair. How do you work against that despair? How do you move yourself against it? You have to have the faith that you can overcome. You have to have the faith that underneath it there's greatness. But where do you see that? When you have a faith for having faith in Hashem, you need it to have Yitzhak Mitzrayim. You need to see something that you saw Hashem. 
but there's not only Yetzirah Mitzrayim, there's also Purim. Purim we didn't see Hashem, but you got to this part, and that part, and that part, and that part of the plot, and when you joined the plot together, you saw, do you know what? There's something underneath the surface which is great. What you have to do in life, is you have to look at the Nekudus Tovahs inside yourself. This is one of the most crucial, vital, and basic fundamentals of Tshuva. And you have to look at yourself and you have to put together all the dots in your life which start to suggest a theme. Three weeks ago, when I was at the grocery, he gave me the wrong change and I looked and I saw and I gave him the right change. So now I already see, I've revealed a trait of truth inside of myself, of honesty. You know, I could have taken it, I could, no one would have known, I could have walked away with it. So I've already started to see a theme. One week ago, I was in a bookshop and I knocked over a book and I tore the cover and I went and I asked, the, I asked the salesperson, do I have to pay for it? So I see, uh, now I join those two parts together. Joining those two parts together means I create a theme out of it. It's not happenstance. It's not just an event. And then two days ago, I realized that my parking was running out in the parking meter and it wasn't because I was scared of getting a fine. I just felt it was wrong to be at like stealing if you're in the parking lot they haven't paid for it and I went and recharged the meter so I see this constant theme and then I start to focus on that and I focus on that and I misburn I contemplate on that and I reinforce the notion that I am a truthful person and that gives me the energy that I see it I've got proofs to it I've got Nakuda's Tovers to join and then I say okay now let me see if I can take it further in the future now I've got a challenge when it comes to lying, but I know that I'm a truthful person, so therefore I push it through. Now that's in the area of lying, then you do in the area of chesed, then you do in the area of tefillah, then you do in the area of Torah, then you do in the ben on the chaveira, then you do ben on the mockim, until you build up this picture of yourself where you see that you can do it. And that really the fact that you haven't been doing is a lie to yourself, and then that gives you the strength to move the hidden potential into the revealed. That, I believe, is when you're thinking about yourself and you look at this dismal picture of self, that dismal picture of self is a false representation of who you are. The problem is, the real picture of self is very difficult to find because it requires a process of connecting the dots. But once you connect the dots, you'll have a different perspective of self and then you can push that forward until the dots get closer and closer and closer together until they fuse into a burning fire of tzidkus. A radiant glow. A comet of greatness. Are you following me, gentlemen? Yes! So now we're heading towards Yom Kippur. And now you have to think about yourself. You have to take time in the next few days and you have to put aside a little bit of time and you have to look at yourself and you have to say, okay, Yom Kippur is the most important day of the year. It's a day that I can actually gain a complete and total transformation. A lot of the gunk that I've accumulated over the previous year can be lifted completely, completely from my shoulders. But it's, it's, there's a stipulation. I have to do tshuva. The tshuva doesn't have to be absolute. If I make the step in the direction of a transformation, even though I haven't reached that point yet, it's considered that I've done tshuva. So it doesn't mean that I have to do something in terms of a complete and total changeover, but if I've made concrete commitments to doing a certain amount of things, so then I'm able to be fall under the category of someone who's doing tshuva, and then Yom Kippur works. But if I don't have something concrete, now concrete doesn't mean something that in the next six weeks I'm going to keep. It means when I get to next Yom Kippur, I'll be able to say, okay, how did I do with what I accepted last Yom Kippur? I did really well. You have to take on it. It doesn't have to be more than four or five things, but you have to make progression 
and there's still a lot more to be said but the night is 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 late and the pacers are tired and uh, I think it's only fair that you contemplate on this idea and find some time to ponder on your Nikudas Tavis and build up a different perspective of yourselves. And that perspective of yourself will define a self that is so capable of changing. So capable of changing. And when you do that, so then you're on the pathway to Triva. And then your Kippur works. And then when we meet again, to always be in Jerusalem. Okay, Lisa.